0: Hello, and welcome to the ChannelBuzz.ca podcast. I'm Robert Dutt, editor of ChannelBuzz.ca, and as always, your host for the show. We're kicking off the podcast for this year with one of our most regular guests, Tony Anscombe, global security evangelist at Eastset, as we take a look back at the year that was in 2023 and get some thoughts on what might come in 2024 from a cybersecurity perspective. We get into ransomware trends, the pros and cons of cybersecurity insurance, how MSPs can help their customers stay on top of their security needs, the role of patch management, and much more. Make sure you've got a notepad to jot down some notes, because Anscom is definitely in a statistic-sharing mood. Uh, We also take a look at some advice to solution providers, including why Anscom believe managed services are set to be the rapid growth engine in the security arena, and his caveats for the risks around that growth, as well as other trends to keep an eye on in 2024. It's a great conversation, so let's get right into it. My chat with ESET's Tony Anscombe. Tony, thanks for joining us once again. Oh Rob, it's always a pleasure to be uh be here and talk to you. Uh once once more into the breach for for this year, as we're recording this, it is is very near the end of the year. This will likely be aired in uh 2024. Just by the way, things uh the way things go at this time of year, but wanted to take this opportunity to kind of uh, take a look back at what we saw in the in the security sphere in the last uh, three hundred sixty-five, and maybe do a little bit of looking forward as to. Uh, what solution providers should have their eye on for uh, for 2024? Uh, I guess I guess to throw it open. What are what are some of sort of the the macro themes, the the big issues of the year from from your perspective, uh, sitting where you do and and tracking uh, what happens in in the cybersecurity sphere so closely?
1: Well, we need to talk about AI then, because always, yeah. I mean, you know, every security conference or every every meeting I seem to go to, somebody mentions AI. Um, yeah in fact maybe 2024 what we should do is try and have meetings where somebody doesn't mention AI maybe there should be some sort of payment but but let's I, I mean sit on a serious note actually one of the one of the uh things I think I take away from this year specifically is let's talk about ransomware because ran, you know whatever we think and whatever we talk about, a cyber incident that is extracting money or disrupting a business is still probably the most significant issue most businesses have Mm -hmm. um and and that's not the just the end user that's in the channel that's in the msps that's you know that that filters through everything now there's some statistics for ransomware attacks that I i think show an interesting trend so if we go back to 2021 chain analysis you know chain analysis the blockchain guys they track potential payments across the blockchain that are going to ransomware crime groups Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um now they might only track a certain portion yeah but it's a it it shows the trend so yeah these numbers might not be the full amount of revenue these these groups are earning or or ransomware costs globally Mm -hmm. But if you look at that trend back in 2021, uh, that was 766 million dollars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that was the peak year. Yeah, and if you think about go back to 2021 and think about that year, you know, you, you had CNA Financial in the US paid 40 million dollars. You know, you had some of the, you know, there were there were major incidents that year that you can all put your finger on and say, oh, that was the year of ransomware and then you saw a white house executive order and you saw law enforcement coming together around the world uh you saw conflict start in ukraine which kind of sort i think took the focus for off of off of cybercrime for for a moment or two and for the cyber criminals for a moment or two so in 2022 that 766 million declined to 457 million huh
0: so where do you think it's at this year Oh god. Uh I'm I'm going to guess because of the drop last year I'm going to I'm going to guess and probably be entirely wrong back to somewhere around the baseline of 2021. You're not far wrong. It's uh it's actually going to be above. So what's interesting
1: about that uh, so at the H1 mark so at the end of the first 6 months of the year mm-hmm. it was already at 449 million. Ah, Okay. So it was already—it's already going to exceed and surpass uh, last year. year. Uh, I mean, yeah. definitely, because it was only five, uh, seven or eight million off already, <laughs> and it's going to exceed 2021. Now, I think what's interesting for me about this is in 2021, this became a real political issue. It had lots of attention on it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of activity in task force in how do we stop ransomware, this, that, and the other. Now, I don't know about you, but this year, I keep looking at it thinking, okay, well, it can't be growing because I don't read about it so much, or there doesn't seem to be so much policy activity or law enforcement activity. Mm. So what's scary about that
0: for me is that I think in some way it's normalized. It's, it certainly sounds that way, doesn't it? It sounds like to to some degree, we've just kind of accepted that this is this is the background noise and go about our business. Right, but
1: yeah this is likely to be a record payout year for cyber criminals yeah that are conducting ransomware attacks and to me we should be back on that beating the drum and you know having active conversations around how we actually stop this going forward because I don't see anything that's actually going to make this stop anytime soon (laughs)
0: Is it is it just that we're kind of looking elsewhere? Is it that the nature of the attacks has been less high profile but larger in volume? I'm I'm curious what's kind of driving that growth. At the same time, it's going under the radar. Well, I think
1: there's there's numerous things in there. One, I think uh, the Colonial Pipeline attack. You know, mm. you saw that group that particular group disband afterwards. The focus mm. on them was c- kind of pretty hot i think they learned a lesson that you don't go after critical infrastructure that you stick in that (laughs) mid-tier um you stay under the radar of what then becomes a political issue as opposed to anything else because of course lines of people outside gas stations were a political issue uh, and got the attention of politicians um so i i think yeah i think they've found that sweet spot in the middle uh, which is wrong, isn't it? I mean, we shouldn't be talking about it that, in that way. But then also more and more companies are taking cyber risk insurance mm. uh, and it's becoming a normal cost of business then to insure against these attacks and for insurers to make the decision on whether to pay or not. I mean, the one that's obviously paid that I think is the most prominent one this year has to be Caesars. In yeah. Vegas. <laughs> yeah, $15 million. Uh, that was a payment, but... I think it's difficult to actually start naming other ones where we know they've paid where as in 2021 yeah there was the food company you remember the food production company there was Clayton pipeline there was yeah. CNA financial I, I mean you could kind of list them off if you start thinking about it um so yeah i i, I my prediction is this is going to continue uh i actually reckon 2024 is going to surpass 2023 i think it's going in the wrong direction here
0: as, as so much does unfortunately in the in the security sphere so often um, so if if you're if you're an MSP or a solution provider trying to secure your customers trying to make sure their eyes are on the issues at a time when there's there's more payout but less attention to this how do you how do you keep customers sort of in the loop motivated aware to uh, to keep themselves as as protected and as ready as as, as they can be?
1: Well, one of the good things—I mean, I mentioned cyber uh, cyber risk insurance there.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: I, I kind of sit on the fence. Some days I don't like cyber risk insurance, and some days I do. Uh, <laughs> and let me explain why. You know, on one hand, uh, they're paying cyber criminals because yeah. if they make a payout to decrypt something, then they're funding further cyber crime. But then, on the other hand, when you apply to have the insurance, they're telling you you need to put all these different cyber security protections in place and they're driving the conversation and driving the need for additional cyber security which is a good thing yeah Mm -hmm. I just don't like the fact that then they go off and pay cyber criminals when there's when there's an attack so I I kind of not more to happen yeah yeah um but so I I think that that's particularly interesting in there now if you're in the channel uh you're I think Cyber risk insurance. If you're if you're in an MSP, I'd be partnering with a cyber risk insurer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd be off, I'd, I'd be actually wandering into a customer, turning around and saying, "Well, our service already complies with this insurer's requirements." Yeah, so I, you know the solution we can provide you is already ticked off by this insurer, as opposed to the insurer turning around and saying, "You need EDR and you need this and you need this." Right. Actually, yeah. package it. Package, package it and turn it so we can meet the requirement for all these things. And this insurer, because you're working with us, will give you a checkbox. So I think there's an opportunity there for MSPs on the channel to kind of move in that direction.
0: I, I agree. And I, I think we've we've started to see some of that, especially in, in the cloud sphere with kind of... Um, uh, what's the term I'm, I'm looking for? Validated configuration kind of things around popular apps there that uh, mm-hmm. that kind of have pre-approved for uh, for major cyber risk insurance companies. So, yeah, for to to replicate that and and scale that um, down and out, it makes a lot of sense for uh, for the channel community. I dare say.
1: Yeah, I mean the the other two areas I think that will continue to be focus and. Uh, need need to be here fo- need to be a point of focus it is uh vulnerability and patch management um, mm-hmm. it's imperative that we look at keep you know keep on track of that uh and the other one is um cyber security awareness training so the continual training of employees but let's let's just come back to the vulnerability one for a moment i've got mm-hmm. some more numbers i'm feeling in a very statistical mood today <laughs> rob so if you look at the cve database uh, and the growth in the CVE number. So in 2022, the, there were 25,000 entries in the CVE database for tw- for the, the 12 months. And mm-hmm. if I go back to 2021, it was 20.1 thousand. And if 2020 was 18.3, so some kind of similar, you know, similar upward graph, unfortunately, on these things. Um, and in 2023, I, I actually looked at the number... Just before we talked uh, today, because I was kind of curious whether some anybody's added up this year's. So up to the end of Q3, there was already twenty-one thousand. So uh-huh. if the trajectory is correct, then that's seven thousand per quarter. So we're going to end up on twenty-eight thousand, yeah, uh, which is three thousand more than last year. Now I yeah. know you can talk to any CISO you talk to any end user environment and one of the biggest pains they've got is continual patch management mm-hmm. um and in fact there was a there was a cyber attack uh last week Comcast in the US got mm-hmm. hit through a Citrix vulnerability a Citrix vulnerability that was already patched yeah but they hadn't deployed the patch and there, therein lies the the pain isn't it of you know, you get into this cycle of yeah, we've got this, you know, we're we're monitoring it. We know there's a patch. Do I I just deploy the patch? Do I test the patch? Do I wait a week to see what the problems are other people might have with it? And there we go. Somebody exploited it in their environment. So it's a continual pain uh, of of having to understand when to patch and how to patch and how quickly to patch. Um, And the, the problem with this is, uh, I think it's becoming more complex. So if you and I found a vulnerability in something, you know, do we go sell it or do we go disclose it uh, to the vendor and have them create the patch? And, of mm. course, if we go sell it, then somebody's going to exploit it as a zero-day, then somebody will, will stumble on the, the zero-day being exploited at some stage, then it becomes a CV, and then it becomes patched. Um, and I, I saw a number recently, and I can't remember where the number came from, okay? So... My statistics usually are attributed, but this one's not. Um, it said 60% of what you see in the C V E database is exploited as a zero day first. Hmm. So yes. there's a growing this growing trade, I think, is cause is will only cause more issue. Yeah. So again, yeah, you know, I'd love to see legislators step up and turn and say, actually it's illegal to sell a a, a, a vulnerability mm. to, for somebody to exploit wouldn't that be good if it was against the law
0: and then it's just a matter of, of folks adhering to the law
1: well that, <laughs> that 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 would then be an issue of national security agencies not buying <laughs> uh zero days and and storing them for later use but that's another that's another subject
0: <laughs> so so uh, I mean patch management and that kind of thing has been a a keystone of of the channel for for so long and yet clearly still an, still an issue out there. Now maybe that's it's a little bit different between kind of the enterprise scale where there are more of those custom apps that are running off that legacy Citrix server that we have to make sure absolutely still works as opposed to say a smaller business that's running a more Standardized kind of Microsoft stack that can be patched as you go kind of thing. Um, I, I guess what I'm getting at is is uh, as as a solution provider who's who's in the middle there and, and trying to guide this. How do you how do you how do you solve for this problem as as best you can while while meeting customers' needs in terms of uptime and performance and ability to innovate?
1: Well, for me, I think I think those big enterprises probably have teams of people and they understand what's in their environment. They probably have already have. Tools deployed directly to mm. vulnerability and patch patch management in their own environment. For that mid-sized business, I I think the only way you can really actually get on top of this stuff at this moment in time is actually a managed service. Uh, I don't believe that you could have enough resource. I don't believe you're going to find the right in, enough of the right skill sets. And I think there is so much volume, not only of. Uh, see your yeah, vulnerabilities and exploits but if you start thinking about all the other things that are going on you know there's changes in ransomware attacks and all the all the policy changes and all the different things you need to change in your environment for your insurance policy and stuff i just i think mm-hmm. it's becoming nearly impossible for that mid-size and lower lower tier of businesses to actually do this themselves so yeah, yeah. my prediction would be is managed service, the managed service business has is going to grow at an incredible, incredible rate, yeah, because it's the only way some businesses are actually going to be able to maintain their their cyber posture.
0: Not necessarily coming from a great place, but but good news for the listenership in terms of of an opportunity to uh, to address and and a service that I, I dare say most are are at least somewhat familiar with, hopefully in their own operations, if nothing else. But I I add an air of caution in here.
1: Yeah. MSPs need to keep a really strict eye on their supply chain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't want to be the one that then causes, you know, some sort of proliferation of attack that goes across their entire managed managed base. Um, Yeah. So just make sure that, you know, what they're using and their supply chain is, is super clean or as clean as you can possibly keep it
0: yeah not a uh, not a 2023 story certainly but i think uh, a lot of msps have uh, have relatively recent and and somewhat painful memories in in that uh, in that van
1: yeah absolutely uh you know there was the solar winds issue obviously you know, you've seen other supply chain issues Kaseya is mm-hmm. obviously the one in the msp space that uh everybody i think thinks about in that space but my point yeah. is is just you know make sure that you you keep your eye on that supply chain because i think that's that's also a growing area of opportunity for cyber criminals to infect one and yeah you know, if i infect one i then reap yeah. money
0: so to speak get, get a lot of small customers but if it's easy access to uh, to that you know 1000 customers then Hey, why not? Mm-hmm. If you're sitting there, um, the other aspect you mentioned was was kind of the the other side of it the uh, the training of uh, of personnel. I know it's something that that you and ESET have have pushed on in terms of making sure that the rank and file have those that basic knowledge and and the skill set around cyber uh, cybersecurity awareness. Um, th- thoughts on how we're doing and, and opportunities to improve?
1: Well, I think at the moment, I think most companies still run this once a year. You know your requirement mm. to sit through that half an hour, forty-five minute, whatever it is, glaze eyes uh, and all. Well, by the way, when I get sent these, it's more of a game to see how quickly I can do it, <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to you know what's in it, because I'd like to think I, I I don't need it. And then I get then I get paranoid about uh, yeah I mustn't get a question wrong because if somebody is monitoring who gets what score, then it would look really embarrassing if I didn't get the top score, but. um <laughs> It's it's important it, and it is a once it's still I think a once a year task for a lot of companies. Now I understand mm-hmm. that that's a requirement for for regulatory policy framework insurance, you know, how, whatever it is that's causing you to do it once a year. Great, but I actually think you you need to take elements of this and yeah every three months or when prevalence of something happens so for example you know we've just been through cyber monday black friday the shopping spree which yeah, you know, i bet if, if we looked at phishing emails there's a you know there's a surge in dhl and fedex phishing emails mm-hmm. um you know post christmas we're going to see the irs phishing scams return aren't we and we're going to see <laughs> you know, the canadian revenue service phishing scams return yeah. and such like I would I would be actually pushing for like a fifth 10 minute or 15 minute refresher every three months. Mm. Keep this prevalent in people's minds. Yeah, you know, keep it right there on the you know, forefront of their mind. Um, because something once a year just isn't frequent enough. And if we look at social engineering attacks, which is what, you know, realistically what cybersecurity awareness training is about stopping, is stopping those social engineering attacks um yeah caesar's palace MGM both socially engineered attacks
0: yeah
1: yeah the, uh, I can tell you now somebody asked me the other day do you think the, the casinos had good security the answer to my question is yes but yeah there's so much money changes in those businesses I can guarantee they have pretty good security social engineer somebody and it's irrelevant irrelevant of what security was there
0: yeah absolutely and that's I mean that's been the story since time immemorial and and it sounds like if we're if we're doing this on a more frequent basis, it sounds like something that would be a a very smart and and relatively easy add to sort of a managed service approach offering to a customer to say by the way, we will have this package of the latest things you need to know on a seasonal basis, on a as-needed trend kind of basis um, to to bolster that knowledge in in kind of the rank and file throughout the organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we think about the last 12 months, if I was in that position in an end user or an MSP, one of the things I think I would have been pushing out maybe middle of the year was use of AI tools in organizations, the training Mm of, you know, do do I use ChatGPT to create the report that my boss wanted you know, or, or whatever but to do that i need to then upload some of the company's data into chat gpt and let it work that data whoa just hang on a minute were you uploading the secret recipe of the company <laughs> or some confidential information yeah, it's things like that that actually you know to me i would actually be putting into that cyber security awareness training of making sure somebody knows yeah you, know, you can't use these sites you can't do this you can't do yeah um, and it's and stuff like why. that that I think it, and it's timely, yeah, if you start talking yeah. about it from a cyber security perspective as it happens, somebody's gonna then not fall into a bad habit
0: yeah and and probably pay more attention if it's something that's resounding with what they're hearing and reading uh yeah. in in the broader headlines of the world, yeah, absolutely. Any, any other major things that uh, solution providers should be keeping an eye out for, uh, you know, plan, planning against that sort of thing in, in the sphere that you're, uh, you're tracking? Well, the other thing I mentioned
1: right at the start there was AI. Yeah, so yeah. we should talk
0: about this because
1: it's it's nearly a yawn when somebody says the term AI.
0: It's like, oh, no, not again uh but well, it, it is, has become the industry conference drinking game of this year that's for sure uh, it, yeah um but where's this going
1: you know what have we seen happen with ai this year well cyber security vendors as you know Robert, we a lot of us have been using ml for yeah you know, not five years but you know yeah.
0: more like 20 years you're um, tracking that number of uh, of occurrences and incidences you kind of have to don't you
1: yeah, absolutely. There's no way human uh, human interaction could keep pace with it on its own. But where will it go over the next year? Um, you know, we've already seen improvements in the grammar in phishing emails. There, you know, <laughs> it's becoming harder to 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 actually spot the mistakes in phishing emails, and that's because, of course, those tools are actually putting it in natural text and and improving it. Um, right. But yeah, you know, we're likely to see uh yeah, more deep fake stuff more audio and video deep fake um you yeah,
0: it's an election year as well i was going to say not necessarily germane to to business as much as as the broader world but yeah with uh, I, I forget the number of national elections over that are slated for 2024 but it's uh, I, I think it was 70 or 80 countries worldwide including the u.s and india and a bunch of other major major markets
1: but interestingly, as is, is, is you just said, maybe not business, right? But interestingly, if you get a reason for, more, mm. uh, you know, if, if lots of if lots of people are going to go use deepfake technology to throw elections or whatever that they're going to do with it, mm-hmm. it will become more normal again. So, so mm. a more scam sites will appear that you can create deepfake technology, uh, videos and, and technology on. So therefore, it will become more accessible to everyday cyber criminals. So Mm. when you get that surge, a surge like that, I'd expect actually for it to come and affect businesses as well, because if the resources and the tools improve and the experience of, of using these tools improve because of other reasons, then it's going to cross over into business and cyber crime as well.
0: We, we all learn from quote-unquote best practices, so uh, they are going to as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in the same way that we in the cybersecurity industry are super good at sharing stuff between us, unfortunately, <laughs> cyber criminals are just as good at sharing stuff between them.
0: Sobering, but then, uh, I don't know, This the security world is always uh, always somewhat sobering to me.
1: It is. It is. And, uh, you know, I think it's always cool. I think it's one of the coolest industries because you can put a room full of competitors in a room and they all start talking about the same thing and all have this one goal. And actually they start sharing stuff between them. Yeah. I, I, and it's, I think that's fairly unique to, to, uh, as yeah, an industry.
0: It, it's an interesting balance, right? Cause you're, you're all competitors, but on the same note, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, at least to, uh, at least to some degree
1: yes now talking of enemies as well one of the mm. other things we should keep our eye on uh, because yeah it's been on the back of that it's been on that radar for a while but not too much has happened is quantum computing because uh, if quantum computing at some stage is yeah. going to become a more normal discussion uh yeah does it break security does it break encryption
0: Gonna, uh, it's it's uh, from, from my limited understanding of it, it certainly does seem like the way we do encryption would have to be radically uh, radically altered. So,
1: you know, this has been on the back burner, not back burner uh, from technology perspective, but the back burner of people have been talking about this for what, three, four, five years? Yeah. yeah. At some stage, it, it's gonna, going to enter the market. Uh, I reckon it's in the next maybe one or two years. So just be aware that you know, we
0: need, with significant changes might need to be made. And it sounds like uh, if it if it rises to prominence uh, at, at any kind of pace, in any kind of pace and scale, uh, changes will have to be made <laughs> pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, will it be used, will it be, then become an accessible service, just like, you know, as in cloud computing? Who knows mm-hmm. i mean let's let's see where that goes i mean maybe there's a great opportunity there if an msp had enough money to buy, build their own quantum computing environment they could just do decryption of ransomware <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe you could do, do the decryption service but anyway I, i'm kind of jesting with that i it's a serious topic and we should keep our eye on it because it's been in that discussion point for so many years at some stage it will rise and become uh, become more than just a discussion point
0: yeah it, it it seems like a technology that's that's sort of waiting for its chat GPT moment.
1: yeah the, that, the moment that kind of, of caught us yeah, that one caught us off guard, didn't it? it? kind of one day it was not there and then it was just there
0: yeah and, and then it was the the dominant topic and uh, we all we all took a crash course on uh, on language models and and hallucinations and and all kinds of fun stuff
1: well and every marketing department of every cybersecurity vendor went out and printed something that says we use uh, ai and chat gpt and this. <laughs> yeah.
0: as, as someone who keeps an eye on on you know the the broader industry uh, the broad, broader tech industry i can tell you it wasn't just cybersecurity that was doing that every every vendor in every aspect of the tech space suddenly has uh, an ai story whether they have an ai story or not Yes, yes. I, I
1: Sorry. And I'm smiling and laughing because I remember walking around RSA, but the RSA after ChatGPT was yeah. released. So the three or four so that months would be later. Three or four, yeah. It, it was nearly on every booth. Yeah. Some <laughs> reference to, to something or other. And it was
0: like, okay. <laughs> Got to have that box checked. Yeah. It can't be seen to be a laggard. Always interesting times in security, Tony, and and thanks for uh, for walking us through some of the uh, some of the major events and and trends of of twenty twenty three, and some thoughts on on where we're headed. All the best for a successful and interesting, but hopefully manageable, twenty twenty four. Absolutely, well, thank
1: you, Robert. I hope twenty twenty four goes a bit slower because I don't know about you, but these years just seem to keep drifting past way too quickly for me. So, I hope it's successful for you too.
0: The days are long, but the years are short. There you have it, security in 2023 and what we might see in 2024, courtesy of ESET's Tony Anscombe. I'd like to thank Tony for joining us on the show, thank ESET Canada for their continuing support of the site, and of course, thank you for listening today. We'll be back with the next edition of the podcast tomorrow, actually, as we take a look at the leadership of Ingram Micro Canada and discuss a new leader for a new year as one of our most frequent guests, second only maybe to Tony, heads into a new role. Be sure to join us for that. Of course, the best way to do that is to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if your app allows you to do so, please do consider leaving us a five star rating. Till then, I'm Robert Dutt for ChannelBuzz.ca. Stay safe out there and I'll see you around the channel.